Ria, Ria back. Uh, welcome to Radio Wolf. I'm very happy to have you here to have this conversation. In fact, there's a conversation I am looking. I was looking for for a long time because we are doing uh, similar work. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious uh, to hear about your work and curious to um, share notes. Uh, the work that you're doing uh, has a beautiful name. It's, it's, called, it's called Collective Presencing. Uh, that already says a lot. <laughs> and why don't we just uh, dive into and uh, if someone asks you, so what is Collective Presencing about? What would be your first answer? what it's about it's about learning practicing that's important it's a practice to be present in conversations actually so in that way it's about dialogue Um, and it's with this question like when we are most of us or all of us really present and grounded what then becomes possible that's mm-hmm. like yeah what is that capacity that we can access when that is when that is the case um we're not really used to be there <laughs> to be in that space uh, but that's a very short answer no, but it uh, already uh, comes to the point. One way I sometimes uh, like to talk about our work, Emergent Dialogue, is I relate it to the mindfulness practice. And I, I relate it to the fact that there, there is a whole mindfulness revolution going on since 30, 40 years in the Western world. Something that basically was on, on the outskirts of our public uh, awareness like meditation is now center stage and it has a lot to do with awareness but it's a very individuated focus on awareness and this new we space works or dialogical works that are emerging right now and uh, collective presencing I consider one of them are for me something like uh, mindfulness 2.0, where uh, this practice of mindfulness, which is somehow to go beyond this object, subject object relationship to just be here, mm. is done in a way where we do it together in dialogue. Is that something that you uh, would relate to in the way you do your work? Yeah, On the only is. Let's say side note is that for some people, meditation or mindfulness is like making a distance between thoughts and embodiment or, Mm -hmm. and when I use presence as a word and as a practice, it's more like being totally in the body. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, like one side note, but for the rest, yeah, it's 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 of course it's an awareness, and it's of awareness on many different levels. I mean, it's for myself. It's what's happening between you and me, happening in the group, what's happening with the topic or the question. So it's a multi-dimensional awareness, and that's why it's. Sometimes pretty difficult and sometimes it works easily, but uh, it's expanding indeed from, because we're so individual focused in the West. Mm -hmm. And I come from psychology background, so that was very individual originally. Um, And indeed, can we expand our awareness to what's happening in the whole circle? Mm -hmm. That's at least one thing, or expand awareness also to where we are if we meet in physical space. And so it's it's a lot more than just mindful of my thinking. 
right. a lot more. Right. I mean, uh, you mentioned already some dimensions. You mentioned the embodiment. You mentioned also that we are with each other and that we are somewhere. And um, the, the presencing uh, as you are practicing and teaching it are, is called collective presencing. And you, you made the point that we are so used to our individual point of view, our individuated way of being here. Okay. And let me put it that way. There are many dialogical practices also that focus still on this individual way of also being in a dialogue. Hmm. Would, you, would you agree with that? And I, I don't, I, I don't mean it that this is a bad thing because I think we we have to be highly individuated. <laughs> yeah, in, exactly. In every kind of uh, uh, dialogue, but it seems that you're bringing another dimension in, or you're bringing something in that is also important. Um, how would you describe that? Yeah, and it seems to be like a contradiction. Like, as you say, like, we need to be highly individuated in a way that we are aware of what is my unique thing to bring, to say or not to say. Um, and then expand our awareness let's say to the circle or the group or the team in which everybody has that individual individuation or agency uh -huh. so it's it's this and it's that yeah, yeah. And, and there's even more dimensions you could add um and it's i've i've so my um, history of this is I come from circle practice, mm. from the circle way and the way of counsel, which is actually very old human technology of sitting around a campfire and talk about what's going on and what needs to be done. And, but probably these folks a long time ago they were not so much individuated as we are now. Mm -hmm. And so how to bring what we have gained, let's say, in these last decades and, and hundreds of years, back with that collective field, for lack of a better mm -hmm. word, or that collectivity, where where we actually are in service of, but mm -hmm. not to lose ourselves, like let's say my mom did when she was she was totally in service of the local parish, but she didn't have a life of her own. Mm -hmm. So not to fall in that trap, but mm -hmm. a new kind of synergy there. I think that's what we are after. No, I, I very much agree. Uh, sometimes we use a wording and basically it's an alteration of uh, uh, wording that comes from Ken Wilber. Uh, he talks about pre trans rational. Uh, we talk about pre trans individual. And ma making the point, a similar point that he makes about rationality, uh, that pre-individuated pre and trans-individuated are, seem to be similar because they are kind of uh, not the highly individuated focus alone, but there's, but in some way they are completely different because it's a transcend and include movement. It's not going back to a pre-individuated tribal, traditional yeah. uh, uh, w way of just being in the surrounding, in, in the collective. Uh, there, there, there's, a, there's the need of a highly individuated presence here but mm. as you are pointing it out uh, one can be of service of something different mm. uh, that is beyond my individuality but in order to be of service of I have to be aware of and quite often in our uh, narcissistic times if I may brand it this way 
this is a hard job for us to be aware of more than our self-reference. Yeah, for a lot of people. And I still grew up in a very small village with, let's say, around 1,000 people where my parents kind of knew everyone. And there was a women's group and it was a men's group and it was a football club. And I mean, it was a community. Mm -hmm. But then with the church kind of, I mean, the physical church is still there, (laughs) but people less and less into that religious bond, you could say. People fell more and more into their own little families. Mm -hmm. And you could sense that lots of people are seeking for something. Not the old church, not maybe not the old football club, Mm-hmm. but something of community that's different than we used to or that different than one or two generations ago, at least for here. And I think in cities, it's probably worse, if I may say so, because, uh, uh, yeah, there's a need, there's a real need to what in English they say together, like gathered. Do you know that word? Like mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not something I can translate really in Dutch into Dutch, but um, and it comes or it is used in um, in Quaker practice where they are gathered. That's how they name that. Yeah, so where they are sitting in silence until somebody's the spirit speaks through somebody that's how they name it Mm -hmm. Um, but I think we need to that quality of being and speaking and sensing even um I think we need that a lot if we are going to deal with a lot of what's happening in the world or what's going wrong in the world, I can say so. I mean, we we, we all know a kind of being also in being in conversation where we are very aware of ourselves or basically why I'm here, what I want, what I fear, uh, what I like, what I dislike, and th- this this kind of uh, being present, where I'm very aware of my uh, all of this, is is something that's that's, that's very close to us. And I suppose that when your collective presence in work is opening up, that something different is opening up. Uh, and first, is that so? Uh, and if if that's so, what is it, and and how how does it open? Yeah, that's interesting, um, because we are, we only have a few rules in our practice, and is that we we call it we share to the middle, and from and we speak from the middle, mm-hmm. and sharing to the middle means I can share basically anything what's present in me, even if I'm annoyed by what you just said, I can, I'm not sharing it to you. I'm sharing it to the middle. Like I can say there was something that Tom's Thomas said, that's really annoying me. And I just put it in the middle and I own it mm-hmm. as my annoyance. So there's no crosstalk in that way. So there's no judgment in that way. At least we invite everyone to do that. We speak to the middle and speak from the middle means sometimes you notice like, I'm not sure I want to say this, but I feel called to speak it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, we also invite people to, when they think they are done with sharing, 
to build in a couple of seconds of checking, like, is that all that wants to come to me? It might be that my mind thinks this is it, but there might be living something more. And mm -hmm. so we have noticed that people who engage in the practice and because there's no judgment, there's no crosstalk, there's people start to relax. Like, okay, I can share whatever is alive in me. And sometimes you don't see what, why is Thomas saying this and we are saying that and has no relationship, it seems, uh, at first. But the quality of listening and the quality of speaking makes for a, a non-judgmental field and a witnessing presence to one another. Mm -hmm which makes for some people to relax more and more and to not be afraid, don't judge themselves and start to speak more from that inner spark, mm -hmm. that inner unique contribution that might be a bit weird for Western society or might be a bit odd or a dream that has big meaning or whatever coincidences um, that that subtle sensing which we all have mm -hmm. which comes in all our lives that can also have a part in the sharing um, mm -hmm. and that makes for a different kind of quality of conversation of dialogue basically interesting if i may interpret that yeah because when you said to speak to the middle uh, and to speak from the middle uh, that is an interesting movement yeah. because if i speak to the middle i have to speak to the middle of something the middle is always the middle of something and in order to be able to do that, I have to be aware of the something to, be, to speak to the middle of that. So that mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not just talking to Ria, I'm, I'm talking to the middle of our conversation. The circle, yeah. Of the circle. Yeah. That changes my, uh, my reference points. Yeah. Totally. Uh, it doesn't mean I don't talk to Ria. I also talk to Ria, but I also talk to something that's bigger than Ria and me. Uh, that that has a wholeness that is a circle mm. indeed yeah that, that that in itself is um is quite often uh, not the way we talk because oh, when i talk to you uh, uh, when i pay attention uh, where my attention goes i'm aware of me uh, and if if i'm uh, more open i'm aware of you not just of myself yeah that's already a lot that's a good thing to be just not and yeah. you're not just something in my universe uh, uh, but that, that i'm aware of you which is uh, a, a powerful thing but the way i hear you there's a third element coming here it's not me uh, not only me not only you uh, the, it's the middle of the circle which means there's there's a circle that there's a different dimension coming into uh, into consciousness and then if, if i just may add this uh the other way around i find even more profound because to speak from the middle mm. uh means also kind of i don't speak from thomas so much no. or, not, or at least not in the same way which mm -hmm. is my usually identification point so i'm thomas now i'm authentically telling you what i want to tell you which is also okay, this is part of it, but it's a certain perspective. I take I, Thomas, and I really want to tell Ria, but you are inviting to basically not talk from this identification point of Thomas, but to go somewhere else and see that maybe the world looks different from this other, which you call the middle of the circle. Is this yeah. the right interpretation? And what's, what's amazing is that let's say what you pick up from the middle or what I pick up from the middle or what 
wants to be spoken through me or through you uh -huh. from the middle has different qualities because you pick up something else than I do. Yeah. Because my, whatever I can sense or pick up or become aware of, it's like, I don't know, one little piece of the pie and you have yeah. another one. And yeah. then there's other people. And it's when you put all this stuff together, it's like, woo. And I always say, if you would just read a transcript of such a dialogue, it hardly makes sense because you talk about what you did this morning and I talk about what I read yesterday. And it's not like that back and forth that we normally do in, mm -hmm. in a Western conversation. Mm -hmm. But the point is that at the end of a circle, it was meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. There was some meaning that I can take away but you, it's meaningful to you too, but what you take away as meaningful might be different than what I take away. Mm -hmm. So our whole thing about linearity gets like totally as a real complexity. <laughs> but Interesting. Uh, there is something uh, I, uh, which I suppose to be a secret ingredient. Let's put it that way, because we, uh, I guess, we all uh, know conversations where I talk about uh, what happened to me there and there, and you talk about what's important, da, 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 and and the third talk, da, da, and, it, and it's kind of all over the place, and it doesn't come together. Mm. Uh, that's not how I hear you. No. Uh, I, I hear all that is there, my perspective, you are, you, this is important, but somehow it comes together. Um, uh, yeah. First, do, you hear, do, you hear, do I hear you right? And second, yeah, yeah, yeah. if yes, what is this? What is this? Lately, I've been making a distinction between harmony and coherence. Uh -huh. um, because when people first come through these we spaces, I think a lot of people finally feel like, oh, this is nice and this is joyful. And we all think the same and that kind of harmony. Mm -hmm. But whenever you start using these practices in real world situations, like Okay, now let's organize a gathering physically, yeah, with 15 people and food and transport and all that. There's more at stake than in an online dialogue, let's say. There's more at stake because I want things to do that way and you want mm -hmm. things to go that way. Can we still... be in that space of collective presencing, even when we do this practical stuff. And then it's not so harmony thingy, mm -hmm. but can we cohere on, I would say on a deeper level where we see like, okay, we're all human beings we all have our shadows. We all have our patterns. We are all different. Even if we're all white and Western educated, we're very diverse in these deeper layers. And can we find coherence in we're all human beings trying to do our best here mm -hmm. yeah. and not go into conflict about this or that or the other. A way I like to think about this, and it seems to be related, is uh, 
the power of creative friction. Hmm. Uh, and what I mean is that uh, the coherence that you're talking about seems to be most interesting when there's friction. I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's, not, it's not that it's bad if it, there's harmony. There's, it can be beautiful, powerful, that, that has its own value. But there's something, just because of the, the reason why, because it's difficult, yeah. uh, where there is friction. Uh, I see something different than you, and it's not just that I see different, I'm invested in the difference. It's, it, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's of importance. So there's emotional uh, investment in that. And uh, I could harmonize things on a uh, kind of, and then it's nice, but it's not authentic anymore. Yeah. Or I could be, so to say, authentic and thrive the conflict with you. It's like, no, no, da, 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 da. putting authentically my perspective, yeah. which <laughs> has its value. But there's something where I, I, I'm true to myself and the way I see, but I'm curious and I'm aware of uh, uh, this wholeness that we are in. And uh, there is a value to not fragment in that. Yeah. And that is, it feels quite uncomfortable because it's, I, I, still, <laughs> I still maybe don't understand you. I still maybe dislike it or whatever, but, uh, but there, is, there is a choice not to fragment in that. Uh, and, and what not I to find judge. So yes. Which is the same. Yeah. yeah. And what I find so powerful, uh, not, not always, but uh, quite often, uh, exactly be, on these friction points, uh, the most creative insights open up because of the difference. Yeah, if you can that, stay there. Yeah. That, so there's something where because I stay with you and I don't fragment, I don't, uh, but I also stay authentic, but I hold this and I'm curious and open. Uh, so, something came, comes to us in the conversation that I'm not capable of accessing on my own and the other is also mm. not able to access on, on your own. Is that kind of related? It, it is. And I'm, I'm looking these days at what... If we, let's say we fall into a conflict, yeah, mm -hmm. like you're triggered, I'm triggered, and then how to come back, how to find a way, a collective method where I call it now digging the tension. Like, can we dig out what is the fight? But what under the fight, there's always some hidden gems, some hidden unique contribution from mm -hmm. each of us. Yeah. And I'm looking at these days at how can we do that in a way that's beyond the giving feedback because mm -hmm. I'm psychologist and therapist. I've seen so many times people giving feedback from their own shadow parts because there's something you need to learn. You know, there's something you have, there's something wrong with you. You should mm -hmm. look at it. <laughs> but so I've always been wary, like kept off feedback. Um, but how can we dig out the gems that are underneath for, for both parties, let's say, in mm -hmm. the conflict? That's what I'm kind of looking at. Can we find a method that is easy enough for most of us and that goes beyond giving feedback because I don't like what you did? Kind of. I mean, this is shortcut, but yeah, you probably understand. Yes. Uh, but if I may stay there, how do we do that? How how do we dig to these gems? How do we do that? I I haven't finished <laughs> the research, but um, I think we need a combination of 
lots of different things. There's you have nonviolent communication, and you have uh, internal family systems, and you have circle practice, and you have twelve step programs, and they all can offer something. And I think because sometimes, or most of the times, when I see you being stuck in a pattern. I probably see it right, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's there's an essence that's mm-hmm. right. If I can look beyond your defense and try to see what's your gem, mm-hmm. and if I can look beyond my defense and what is, let's say, the gem of my inner part, child part, whatever mm-hmm. you call it. If we can talk on that level, without me wanting you to change, like I can name it, but maybe your psychology is not ready to take that on or to change that, or can I just, again, put it in the middle? Like, this is what I see. This is, I think, what is going on in you, but this is what's going on in me. And then leave it i don't know i i'm i haven't come to a conclusion on that but that's that's in the making kind of that's also uh true that all these different ways that you were bringing in here have contributions to that yeah in in in, in their own way there's something i would like to to ask you if uh if this also your experience I, I sometimes I find this part of the, the the most precious moments of this dialogue practice, the way I know it, is when there is, I often call it a gravity shift. Uh-huh. And um, uh, that's really the way how I experience this or the, the way how I word it, uh, because it, it's closest to, uh, to, to how the experience uh, feels like. But, that sometimes are, uh, we, we start a conversation with, I say, with different gravity points of I, you, she, her, him. And all of a sudden, there is a coherence building up where the, the, the dialogue and the thinking process does not come from the individuals so oh. much anymore, but it comes from a shared place. And it really feels like something is shifting in the room. Interesting, it's it's not that everyone in the room has to make the shift, but the critical mass. Uh, and quite often, then others are pulled into this other gravity field, even if they were not uh, on their own going there. <clears throat> and the creativity and the insights come from a place that is not my place and it's not your place and not okay. his place. Uh, and where everyone is kind of even aware of that, that we don't talk from ourselves, we talk from this shared place. And uh, where this kind of uh, um, the, the, the differences are also answered by a, a creative process that I, I participate, but it's not my process. We participate together in this. Yeah, and I think I've been in the beginning, long time ago, I thought there was something happening. <laughs> like, I don't know, another field created or something. Um, but then I learned, this was Bonita Roy who said to me, like, don't make it into a, another thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, but what what is actually happening, as you said, in that gravity shift? And I guess, as far as I understand, it's that, some of us or most of us can shift awareness from the I, me individual to the wider mm-hmm. so that that what we call the middle or mm-hmm. whatever you call it, so that the awareness point shifts. Yeah. And if more of us can do that, it seems that's a word 
I didn't know when I first came across it in English is entrainment. Mm -hmm. Like other people who were not there yet or like caught up in that consciousness or awareness yeah. uh, and trained into it. Yeah. Um, no, it's a it, it it's a very powerful thing, and uh, as you say, it's also very tempting to make a thing out of it. Yeah, uh, because uh, it's also a, a point where people quite often uh, get quite excited about it because it has a, a strong emotional reality to it. There's a, there's a release, a release of se a separation, and there's arrows coming in. Uh, there's something happening that's deeply attractive. Uh, yeah, totally. In that, but but I see also a danger in this attractiveness, just because it's it's just tempting to hang out for its emotional be benefits. Yeah, and that's where the what we said before on you need highly individuated people actually, because if you have a wound on belonging, then this point where, oh, it's so nice, and oh, I want to go there again, mm -hmm. and I belong to the circle. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's what keeps people hanging in there. Not hanging is not the right word. Um, but being attached to it, that that it will happen again, and, and yeah. becoming frustrated when it doesn't, doesn't Mm -hmm. <laughs> and can we just stay in the presence of okay it's not happening at this moment that's mm -hmm. fine too yeah. Yeah. But, yeah I think belonging has a lot to do with it because it's a very early unconscious need we have and it also very easily turns everything into a group mind that's uh, that. That's also where the individuation is so important. Yeah. In a in a constructive way, and uh, in in an, a way that the individuation is wholeness aware. Let's put it that way, because mm. if, if I'm if individuation is only self aware, it cannot relate to that. It cannot take responsibility for that. But if individuation is aware of its embeddedness in something that's in there, then uh, this this t tension that, at least to my understanding, never really disappears, or uh, between um, uh, there's, there's there's kind of a dialectics between or what is happening with the others, with the whole, with me. It's not it, it's not tension free, and it should not be tension free because the creative force is exactly in this tension, and when it becomes this, oh, I belong, something becomes flat. Yeah, if that's the only thing, yeah. Or if that's the psychological need, yeah. yeah. And the term that then uh, very often fits what appears is conformity. Yeah, and that's what I called before, the harmony yeah. thing, thingy. Instead of, wow, I don't understand what's happening with you. And I'm still here as a human being and I respect totally your whatever yeah. caused your patterns which I don't understand but mm. I respect them and I can just be still with my intention with my attention with my awareness in what's mm. in between us even if I don't understand you as a person I mean it's yeah. It's pretty difficult. But in the danger uh, to making a thing out of it, um, are, I find it uh, uh, very remarkable uh, that uh, this gravity shift that, I'm, uh, uh, that I try to explain uh, really uh, feels also very decentering in a positive sense. That my usual, uh, this is Thomas, me, this is how I walk through the world, this is how I see things, gets somehow decentered. That I even would 
describe it as a disidentification process. There's something uh, between us uh, that uh, becomes very real. And uh, to use a metaphor uh, that it even seems that the, the, the possibility opening up that one can see through the eyes of the field, the eyes of the middle. Would you uh, agree with that, or is that already going too much in the danger of making a thing out of this? Um, I just use different words, I guess. Um, I would say you leave more of your personality identity uh -huh. and you drop more into what I call your soul's calling. Like uh -huh. What you feel is like that's what you cannot not do in the world if you're real with yourself. Mm -hmm. Like this, there seems to be the best word I can find is soul. There seems to be a driving force that leads me to something like collective presencing. Like who could ever know from my background that I would write a book and be on podcasts? That's that was not in my personality at all. And yeah, still life kind of pushes, pulls me, or my soul print brings me here. And I think if more of us do that, you become more unique, so more individuated, mm -hmm. but you're also more in service of the group, the team, the wider purpose, whatever mm -hmm. you call it. Let me uh, introduce one more. I'm curious how, how, how you see that. I mean, it's also a uh, dangerous territory. <laughs> uh, because the way how it uh, feels like, or how one senses it, is uh, that there is a place where I don't necessarily feel separate from you. So there, there is my individual itself, uh, uh, and it, uh, it, it stays there, and it's important for it to stay there. There is also the multiplicity of, 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 of where we come from, but there is also a place where uh, you sometimes see in the conversation where it's not important who is saying something. It somehow oh. comes from the same place. And there's somehow the other is saying it, but it seems that, that somehow it's not so different than I am saying this. So there's there's an experience of non-separatedness or where you even could call this, uh, uh, I, I don't mean it in the, in the, in the deep, deep spiritual sense, a uh, 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 practice of non-duality. That is at least an irritating experience because uh, it undermines my conviction of separation. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a strong conviction that we have. Yeah, and yeah, also in how we relate with the physical world and 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 plants and animals and landscapes and all that. Um, I mean, I had a few experiences where this, the fragmentation between, let's say, me and nature falls away. Mm -hmm. That's also like, whoa, yeah. yeah, like, like having a real encounter with an animal. It's mm -hmm. like, wow. I mean, for my separate self, that was a huge shock in the beginning. Um, and so it's not only with people, but it's, I guess it's with the whole living world that slowly but surely that, that deep idea that this is me and I kind of end where my skin ends. It's like, it's bullshit. Mm. 
can say so. I mean, I'm one of us practitioners in collective presence uses a lot of times she used the word porous, like mm-hmm. I'm I'm porous, and more mm-hmm. and more. I I don't think she says more and more influences come in, but we become more aware mm-hmm. of how you listen actually influences what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of porousness and if you walk with that sense through the city you become crazy I think so we have learned Mm -hmm. to shield that off but I think that's how we are Mm -hmm. how we were born I guess and we kind of re revive that or Mm -hmm bring it to light again or become aware of it. That's also partly what I find powerful about uh, uh, the wording collective presencing, uh, because uh, when you really uh, uh, kind of uh, penetrate this presencing, it's not just uh, two or five or 10 people talking. It's mm. about a collective being present to whatever is present. Totally. Yeah, and um, that uh, when you really let it in, uh, it, it also get, gets very uncomfortable because you you feel something slightly slightly dissolving or at least in the danger of dissolving. That seems to be very solid to to be, but it is just true when we pay attention that uh, where we are. Uh, you are mentioning before we had this conversation that is. Uh, a sunny cold day today uh, uh, right now it's it's here that's part of the conversation yeah uh, and it's not yeah and it's it has an influence yeah? yeah it 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 comes in like i'm a gardener so when there's weeks with no rain and my rainwater is getting very, very low. I mean, that's that's climate change that comes into me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is. It's not climate change somewhere else, or it's it's really touching. Um, of course, if you don't have a garden, that's the distance is bigger. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 cracking that that western idea of i'm within this bag of flesh and that's it mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah it's it's interesting that that you're making that point because i really and i know it's a bold claim but i, I just do believe it that this collective press, uh, practices that are uh, that are emerging right now, uh, what you're doing, what we are doing, what others are doing, uh, what I sometimes, as I said, also call um, kind of uh, uh, a mindfulness 2.0, mm. uh, that it is something that is really a paradigm shift in how we are as a Western culture in the world. It's really undermining, undermining this separate subjectivity yeah. uh, that we are so much cultivated that that, that uh, has its also virtue because our individuation yeah. process is connected with that. But uh, the, uh, there, there's something where it obviously creates a lot of the problems that we are in of separation. <laughs> and I see these practice forms also as a practice form of deconditioning yeah, that's a nice way of saying. Yeah. Like I assume 5,000 years ago, there was a lot of co- <laughs> a, a practice form developing to, to find the seeds of individuation in our tribal contexts. And yeah. it must have been a huge transformation for people to basically uh, liberate them somehow out of this just being nothing but the embeddedness in the tribal n- nature context and be able to... I, 
to find oneself in this individual itself it must have been a huge practice form that we trained in many mystery cults i don't know whatever uh, we, we, uh, our our ancestors did in that time and I guess, I guess our religious history is part of this uh, and my guess is that, that this is a similar transition point where we are uh, practicing together and evolution is kind of popping out and, and finding experimental places where it can yeah. experiment with itself yeah that's that's indeed uh what I learned mainly from Renita Roy is that evolution is happening through us. Yeah, mm -hmm. We cannot use, let's say, the tools of modernity and the thinking and analyze it to figure out what's coming next. Because whatever is next, evolution as it comes from origin mm -hmm. will disrupt whatever we have been living in um and it's 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 happening through us and it's in in the doing in the experimenting that we build the capacities so we cannot say oh let's first practice this capacity and then we will know what to do it's 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 a like, yeah, there's a saying about stepping onto the next stone and the stone will meet you or something. There's a saying somewhere from somebody, I don't remember, but it's that if you sent like, oh, that's what I need, that seems to be what I need to do next. And then reality seems to meet you. Mm -hmm in a way, or not, and then you make another step. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, we are, uh, unfortunately, at the end of our time, uh, and uh, uh, we only could uh, unwrap so much, but it's <laughs> a very powerful conversation. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Be well. <laughs>